this point, every information portal is saturated with mindfulness content. But this show is a unique, unusual, curious take on mindfulness. Some of what you hear will be completely new to you. Let's dive in and take a look at the nature of the aware mind. I invite you to deepen your awareness so that you may be liberated and inspired. Today we are here with Sarah Vallely, mindfulness teacher, coach, and author. Sarah has been teaching meditation and mindfulness for the past two decades, training and certifying others to teach mindfulness as well. Sarah is the author of four books. Her latest book is titled Tame, Soothe, Dwell, The 55 Teachings of ESD Mindfulness. The topic of this episode is, can mindfulness stop hate and end racism in America? I'm going to begin by dating some facts. The School of Medicine at the University of Washington published a study in 2019. They investigated misqualified deaths by police officers in the U.S. They discovered that 55% of the deaths by police officers in the U.S. are misqualified. Coroners were omitting from the death records that the death was by a police officer. So the average misqualified deaths in the U.S. was 55%. In some states, it was much higher than that. And this is over a span of a 40-year period of time. Oklahoma is 84%, Wyoming, 79%, Alabama, 77%, and Louisiana, 77%. If you look at the statistics on the number of disproportionately Black people have been killed by police officers, it's usually about 2.5 times more. However, with this study, this research published by the School of Medicine at the University of Washington, in 2019, they calculated that it's actually 3.5 times more, that the police have disproportionately killed Black people over white people three and a half times more. And I will cite all this research that I'm referring to in the blog. The Agency for Healthcare Research and Quality is a federal government agency, and they published a report in 2018 that involved Black and Indigenous American medical patients. And through their research, they found Black and Indigenous American medical patients received 40% poorer care than white patients. And I read some other research along these lines, and what they do is they use a third party to evaluate the care. They either have a camera that videos the interaction between the patient and the medical professional, or they have a person sitting in on the appointment. Uh, The research shows that this poor care is given to people of color despite their age, their sex, their birthplace, or their education. This is an example of structural racism, which is when public policies, institutional practices, cultural representations perpetuate racism and inequality. In another study published by the New England Journal of Medicine in 2020, they found 293 studies show that racism causes poor mental and physical health in people of color. The question is, can mindfulness end hate Can mindfulness stop racism in America, right? Well, there are a lot of different approaches that we can take to address these issues. And these approaches we are doing on some level. And some of these include structured interracial conversations. These are highly effective. 
I read one research article. They paired someone of color with a white medical practitioner and they had structured conversations. The one person would share their story, their struggles, and the other person would give them validation for how they were feeling and support. And then they would switch and the other person would share their story. The listener would give them validation and support. The quality of patient care was significantly increased with patients of color after these structured conversations. So these interracial dialogues are really important. Protests, changing policies and laws, boycotting companies that are associated with being racist, getting educated, reading books, participating in trainings, listening to podcasts. We on an individual level can become more aware and informed about racial issues. Standing up to racism in the moment, another effective approach. And then there's mindfulness. There are these different approaches. I'm not going to sit here and say mindfulness is the best approach. I don't know. But I will say, I think a valuable conversation addressing racism in America needs to include conversations about mindfulness because, as you'll see, mindfulness can be very effective. There's lots of different reasons why mindfulness helps address racism and implicit bias. Uh, one of them is mindfulness is a practice in non-attachment and non-judgment that leads to being more open-minded and helps avoid these automatic racial associations. Can you define implicit bias? Mm -hmm. Implicit bias is our automatic and unconscious bias thoughts. And the research shows that we all have implicit bias. So if you're thinking, oh, well, actually, I don't really do that. <laughs> Not true. We all do that. Implicit bias plays out as these automatic racial associations also plays out as automatic associations with age, with gender, with body type bias for these different groups of people. Neuroscientists believe that bias is a result of the amygdala activity in the brain. And mindfulness is shown by science to reduce amygdala activity. So on one level, we can use mindfulness to have less implicit bias. It's just something that automatically happens. We just practice and the research shows that afterwards we have less implicit bias, but then we can go even deeper and we can use mindfulness to become aware of our implicit bias. So we're specifically using a mindfulness practice that helps us become aware of that. We all have a running story in our minds that's incorrect on some level, right? We have some stories that are right, but we're also running these stories in our minds that are incorrect. And what mindfulness does is it helps us become aware of that and it helps us disengage from that story. Mindfulness supports us to be less emotionally reactive. The experts say that when we are in a more neutral emotional state, we act less on our biases because we get out of our limbic brain and into our prefrontal cortex. Mindfulness does bring us out of that limbic brain, that emotional state, and more into our prefrontal cortex, uh, which has a lot to do with executive functioning and rational thinking, things of that matter. And lastly, mindfulness supports better collaboration, which is what we really need to change structural racism, right? We need to work together. Uh, we need to create a sense of interconnectedness. Mindfulness and Buddhist teachings, there's so much about becoming aware and feeling and embodying that interconnectedness, uh, moving away from the us versus them mentality and moving into more of a we consciousness. The Buddhist teachings support moving out of a dualistic mindset to avoid 
polarization. So you were just talking about there's an implicit bias and then that cultivates some physiological response. Let's say that somebody has a implicit bias towards another person. And then this causes a physiological response and mindfulness can help you A, identify the implicit bias and B, identify the physiological response that you may have following that bias and then stepping out and recognizing both of those things and then using a practice in conjunction with that, like Buddhism, that creates a sense of oneness, interconnectedness, a dissolution of me versus other, opening up to more caring, compassionate heart. That sounds like a pretty solid process. We become aware of our mental response. So actual thoughts that come up that are normally unconscious, right? These normally unconscious associations that we have with people of certain races, you become aware of those thoughts that are coming up. So let's say you have a white doctor treating Mm. black patients and there's somebody sitting in the corner of the room and is rating his performance as poor. And you were to give this doctor a test asking him questions about his beliefs and his conscious biases about people. And he would pass this test and you would say, okay, this person doesn't seem to have a conscious bias towards these people, but the care is still poor because it could be a a subconscious level of bias. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. Wow. So that's what a lot of this work is, is educating people, helping them understand that they are unconsciously being microaggressive. And microaggressions are when we are derogatory, when we say a racist joke, right? So these are the consequences of our implicit bias. And this this whole scenario process happens unconsciously. People can, can learn specific mindfulness techniques that help them become aware of that process and then become concerned that they might be hurting others because of their own implicit biases. Adding compassion practice to my life has totally changed. I've definitely noticed a a big difference for me in, in that way. For me, the first time I was aware of this implicit bias was during a professional development we were shown photographs of different people and asked to become conscious of what is the first thought that comes into your mind when you look at this photo. It was really disturbing and eye-opening for all of us who aren't conscious of this process that's going on within us. Like I was really surprised and appalled by some of the automatic thinking that came up when I was looking at these different photos. So that's one avenue is to become aware of those implicit biases, which I think is hands down such an effective approach. There is also the other avenue of practicing mindfulness because that has been shown will minimize your implicit bias. And the other thing, Jacob, that you were talking about, you know, as far as, you know, what is our response that we're noticing? The other response is emotional. These implicit biases cause us to experience certain different emotions. And so that's another way that we can use our mindfulness in the moment. Mindfulness mindset is to notice what emotions are coming up um, when we're in these situations. I've started meditating in the morning non-guided and that's relatively new. I've only done that Mm -hmm. the past few months before it was always guided. I rarely did a session without guidance. I'm starting to learn more about myself. I'm saying that to hopefully motivate people to know that like, you know, in a very short window of time, you can have a big difference in things like that, depending on what your focus is. Here's some more research that 
might give us some specific insight into how exactly mindfulness is helping address implicit bias. Study published in 2015 involved loving kindness meditation. And in this study, what they did is they took two groups and the one group practiced typical loving kindness, which is you say to yourself, I wish for myself to be healthy. I wish for myself to have joy, for example. And then you say the same for somebody in your life. And then you say the same for all beings, all beings. I wish for all beings to be healthy. I wish for all beings to have joy. So they had one group that practiced that type of loving kindness. And then they had another group they had the people address themselves. I wish for myself to be happy. I wish for myself to have peace. And then they had the people consider a racial group. And what they found was that the group that considered the, the different racial groups is that their implicit bias reduced by quite a bit. I question this a little bit because I feel like just regular loving kindness practice would also decrease your implicit bias. But I thought this was really interesting how they divided this, this group. If you dissolve the idea of you I understand this in theory, not in practice necessarily. I've had small experiences that when you really dissolve that, you don't see yourself separate from any other person. So when you're being compassionate and you're doing a practice like loving kindness, it's getting you closer to that place where you really are just on the other side of these biases, I would say. What Nibbana is, is that you see everyone as you and you as everyone and every tree and the whole thing, it's all one. With that being said, you can still understand how racism and hunger, all these things are, are horrendous and we have to do things. We have to work to make sure that these things end as quick as possible. It seems like to me, and you, I would, I'm throwing this out to you, tell me if I'm right, that that's the point. Mindfulness practice, which is based in Buddhism, which is based on this idea that we're all interconnected and we are all one on a certain level. You know, the famous story that the Buddhist teachers teach is the sun is in the paper. It's all interconnected. The sun shines on the tree. The tree grows. The tree is chopped down and made into pulp. And then the pulp is made into paper. And so can you really separate the sun from the paper? It's all interconnected. And the more we practice, the more we embody that, hopefully, <laughs> the more we experience on a concrete level, it becomes less abstract, right? When we're saying this, and, and hearing it, we're thinking, oh yeah, this abstract idea of, yeah, we're all interconnected. But what the practice does is it actually makes that concrete. You start to feel it. It starts to change the way you think. And I think that's such an important piece that mindfulness can bring to the problems of, of racism in this country, to the pain that Americans are experiencing due to division and racism. It's very key. After reading that book for book club, I'm convinced that every problem comes to lack of compassion. If you think somebody is different, they're in a different group, any separateness, that's the problem. Yeah. That book that we read, the book of joy by Desmond Tutu and Dalai Lama, they talk about research that shows that people who use the pronouns, I, me, are generally less happy than people that use we, us. 
Think of all like the warmest people that you know. When you're with people that have just a radiant love energy, it feels like they're in it with you, that you're sharing something with them. You're literally connecting is the way I feel when I talk to people that I just view as like being like this enlightened, like connected being that just has love at the center of everything. All this stuff is not easy and being aware of these things and doing it to practice. I'm far from anywhere near the end of it. Of course, mindfulness is difficult. It is. And I totally hear you with that. But this next study, I think is going to show everyone that actually it can be easy. So listen to this. There was a study published in the American Psychological Association Journal in 2016. They had a group of people who listened to a 10-minute recorded mindfulness meditation during which they noticed physical sensations and thoughts in a non-judgmental way. Then they had another group who, for 10 minutes, listened to a recording that was describing a countryside, and they were asked to pay attention to when the word perish was used in this description. So they were focused. So those are the two groups. After that 10-minute experience, they were observed and tested for implicit bias. And the group that listened to the recorded mindfulness meditation using non-judgmental attention scored a raw score of six on an implicit bias scale. The group that listened to the recording of the description of the countryside scored on average 32 on the same scale. So this to me is mind-blowing. This is a, an 81% difference. You sit down for 10 minutes and use some non-judgmental attention on the sensations in your body and your thoughts compared to somebody else who's focused on something but not using non-judgmental attention. And you're like 81% better <laughs> at you know, not having implicit bias. Like 10 minutes. They did it for 10 minutes. I don't know how long it lasts. I don't know how long it wears off. But like, why? Why are people of color going into a hospital and receiving 40% poor care when 10 minutes of non-judgmental awareness meditation decreases that by 81%? I, why is this happening? Sounds like one of the reasons is people don't meditate. If more people meditated, I feel like it would get better. I just don't know how it wouldn't. I don't know how. And it's not like, I don't know, I, I don't want to be one of those people that's like mindfulness fixes everything, but it's like exercising. If you don't exercise and then you start exercising, oh my God, wh what was I doing prior to not doing this? You know, I can only not exercise for a few days and then I just feel so bad. I have to, and mindfulness is identical. Yeah. And same with eating better. You know, it's just that we do these things and we just, we feel better. We are better. We are more compassionate. I'll, I'll finish up here with some suggestions. Practice single-pointed focus, which is focusing on the sounds in the environment or physical sensations in your body or with your eyes open, looking at something or focusing on your breath with non-judgmental awareness. Another is loving-kindness meditation, especially practicing loving-kindness meditation with considering a racial group. And if you want to go deeper, become aware of your bias associations, good way to experience this is to participate in a training. An example of these exercises, someone will say a word and then you notice what comes up for you. What do you associate with that word? The word might be professional. What automatically pops up into your mind, maybe a visual image or a thought. Another word, criminal. What automatically pops up in your mind? What is the association there? 
after you become aware of those automatic associations, become concerned, become concerned that you might be hurtful. You might be hurting others because of your automatic associations. If there's anyone out there who works for a company that wants to bring someone in for a staff training on the subject of implicit bias and racism, I would be interested in coming in and and talking to your staff. The Aware Mind podcast is a TSD mindfulness production. Please visit our website at tsdmind.org. That is T as in tame, S as in soothe, and D as in dwell. Mind as in mindfulness.org. Check out our blog post for this episode with links to supplemental information such as worksheets you can use to put into practice the mindfulness skills shared in this episode. Also, please sign up for our newsletter and receive mindfulness tips. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at aware underscore mind underscore podcast. Thank you.